0: This week's episode of the NRL Sunday Session is brought to you by Open Arms, reminding veterans and families that counselling support is always available. Since 1982, Open Arms Veterans and Families Counselling has ensured Australian Defence personnel and their families have access to specialised mental health and wellbeing support. For more information, go to openarms.gov.au or give them a call on 1800 011 046.
1: Welcome to another Sunday session podcast with NRL.com, Chris Kennedy, in the studio with my co-pilot, Kenny Scott. Kenny, thank you for being here.
0: Well, thanks for having me back, CK. Always a
1: pleasure. And we are very privileged to have with us Cronulla Sharks legend, New South Wales and Kangaroos legend, Paul Gallen from Channel 9. Gal, thank you for being here. Hey, boys. No worries. Good stuff. we well, we'll get cracking straight into it. We've just seen a pretty remarkable game of footy at Bankwest Stadium between the Dogs and the Titans. Now, Gail, I know you're out there covering this for Channel 9, so I'll start with you. I didn't have huge expectations for this game, but it ended up being pretty high entertainment.
2: Yeah, it was good. It certainly was a game that Edmund and floated as far as momentum goes. I, I thought, obviously, the, the Tigers started really well and probably should have gone on with it. You know, they they want to be the top eight side they want to be, they're the game you've just got to go on with. But they weren't able to, and to the Dogs' credit, uh, particularly Kieran Foran in the back end of that first half, they really really got the Dogs back into the game. And, um, yeah, pretty close there. And unfortunately for the Dogs, they went down.
1: We saw the Dogs actually, you know, they were down, I think, 22-6. Ended up getting up. 28-22, Twenty-eight, twenty-two. Look, they were going to go on with it. Um, the fact that Tigers did get out of jail—you you can't imagine Michael McGuire would be too impressed with everything that he saw today, would you?
2: I'm not overly, particularly as we said, led twenty-two to six. Uh, you know, the, the side he wants them to be—they uh, should have gone on with it. But I did see some good signs from the Tigers today. That they, they were tough for periods of time, not for the entire eighty minutes, but they played tough. They certainly dominated, particularly the, the, the dogs' middle. I thought for periods of the game, especially in the first half. Uh, after about 35 minutes, they'd only missed four tackles in that first half until they let those last two late tries in. So there were some pretty good signs there, i, I got to say. And uh, yeah, but the dogs, to their credit, got right back into it. But you know what? At the end of the day, that they got the win. And sometimes that's all you need. You've got to get the two yeah. points and move on to next week. And, and they've got a really tough uh, six or seven weeks, six weeks coming up, the Tigers. So you just need those two points. Hopefully you can get a bit of confidence from that and build on what you did. And uh, they're going to need... A little bit of luck, I think, if they're going to make the top eight this year. Their run for the next six weeks is extremely tough.
1: Yeah, Kenny, I'll come to you. Obviously, our resident long-suffering Tigers fan. What's the What's the overwhelming feeling? Is it happiness? Is it relief? Is it frustration?
0: No, it's all this. All this does is I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but it just delays the inevitable heartbreak. Like, just let's all stop pretending that the Tigers <laughs> might make it. <laughs> Realistically, they're done. They're cooked. Let's all just accept it. And yes, great, the Tigers won. They shouldn't have won. Like 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 Gallo was saying, if they're supposed to be the team that that Madge wants them to be, they should have won that game easily. Like, and they were in a position to do so. And I I don't know what happened. I'm glad they got the win, but let's not like let's not sugarcoat it. There's there's just there's just no way they can possibly make the eight unless without like a Stephen Bradbury style miracle happening. Um. So let's just. Move on from that. Um, like there, there are glimpses. There are positives they can take out of it. I, I really like the way Luciano Lelu's, um season's come along. He's mm. a he's becoming like fast their their best player, at least or at least one of their best forwards anyway. Um, but yeah, there were just these. There were moments of of, of, of like as Gail as you were saying, um, like some grit and determination, and then these real defensive lapses where like that Jeremy Marshall King to um, Aidan Tolman try was like came out of nowhere on the last tackle. Like it's like no one was. You know, they just forgot they were supposed to be defending for that that, that last um, tackle of the set. Um, And hats off to the Bulldogs. They did not go away. They never go away. Um, And they almost got away with it this time. Like, to to run in 24, I think it was 24 unanswered points at one stage. Good signs for the future. But, uh, you know, we've spoken about it before. The Dogs just don't have the cattle. um, So, the Tigers got lucky here, I reckon.
1: Before we move I'm on, glad, the... I'm
0: glad
2: that I'm glad it all come from a Tigers fan. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I totally agree, and i see I've been critical of sides like the Tigers and Parramatta Eels, and people think I've, I've got an agenda against teams like that. I don't. I, I totally agree with you. They they're not going to be a top eight side. Um, you now they they did get away. We know. I feel that had the Dogs had a had a. Yeah, Kieran Foran went down and wasn't himself at the back end of that game. But had they had another experience half there, they should have got that. They should have – Colgate should have kicked that field goal. I thought, I thought 35 metres out in front, that's what you're paid to do. And when they got the ball back off the kickoff, they, they went for the try. You know, with a minute to go, it tries a try a 50-50 play, I think. I think you've got to just drive it in, get it, you know, five tackles, drive it in towards the place and kick a field goal, go to extra time. I thought that would have been the better play, but they tried to score out wide and obviously many dropped the ball, which was a real letdown for them. So, yep, I agree. The Tigers got lucky, but they're still alive for this week anyway.
1: Before we move on to the the earlier game, Gail, what do you make of the the Bulldogs? They've they've got to find at least one more win if they're going to avoid the wooden spoon, which would then fall to to Brisbane. But they they seem like they're going a bit better than the Broncos and one or two teams above them at the moment.
2: Yeah, they are. They are going better. They're trying. Um, There's effort there. You know, you look at the, the Brisbane side, like, you've seriously got to question if there's effort there sometimes. And some, some of the players – and, and that, that roster. I mean, me, me and Gus argue weekly about that roster. He doesn't like it. I think it's a pretty good roster. I'll tell you what, I think Magic McGuire would rather be coaching that roster than, than you know, some of the players he's got about the Tigers. But um, they, they, you've got to question there sometimes. But as, as I said, the dogs, there's effort there every week. Uh, they do like the cattle. There's no doubt about like that. They've had uh, a cap issues for a number of years now. They seem to be coming out of that now. So, hopefully, you know, the, the rich history of that club, Trent Barrett going there next year. A um, couple of young up-and-comers. I thought the back row they played today was pretty good. Showed some good signs. Off go the Kieran yeah. yeah, Murray, yeah. Um, yeah. If they can keep Kieran Foran, I think I think he's a must to keep there. But it all comes down to how much they've got to pay for him. They've paid way too much money to have him there and you know, for what he's produced. But you know, I think he, he shows he can produce at times. But he's got to you know, stay there for the right amount of money. So, I think they've got to keep him. And... I'll just keep building for the next year or two with Trent Barrett and hopefully do something in two or three years' time. But, um, yeah, there there are promising signs there. And as I said, with with plenty of money to spend in the coming years, hopefully they can get back on track to where the Bulldogs that we once knew a few years ago.
1: Hopefully, some glimmers of them turning it around. The early Sunday game, this was uh, high entertainment as well. I thought the Knights ended up getting it 26-24. Uh, know you missed this because you were uh, getting ready for the, the nine game at Bankwest. So, Kenny, I'll come to you. Uh, looked like Manly were going to, you know, pull off another ambush. They were up 12-0 real early, and then, um, you know, fell behind, got back in front, and then heartbreak at the end.
0: Yeah, this is this is one of those games that was just. Fun for everybody except for the fans of either team because it was like it was knife knife edge edge stuff. Um, Yeah, Manly shot out of a cannon, twelve nil after what ten minutes or something like that, and um, with probably like one of the most like if you if you if you're going to give a a textbook example of a miracle try that um, Cade Cuss opening try where he seemingly what he he was over the sideline and managed to kick it. I can't remember how it happened, but it was it was crazy stuff. Um, Sort of set the set the tone for the rest of the game. And yeah, Manly up 12 0. No one would have thought that was happening with their, you know, clag glue and sticky tape crew that they've got at the moment, Um, you know, running on the smell of an oily rag with the the lack of troops they they find themselves in. But credit to Manly. um, What, got back to six? They led 16 12 at half time and then scored three in a row for like a 20-12 lead. And you would have thought it was all over by that stage. Um, But this game, it just, just kept turning. And then Manly scored, I think, two tries. 24-20 um, with 15 minutes to go, like it was a neutral's dream. It, when the, the last 10 minutes was so intense and so entertaining, mm. I nearly passed out. Um, but like, I think Newcastle, in, in all fairness though, Newcastle probably should have won by a lot more. I think they're just, they're, they seem to be dominant. Those last 20 minutes, it seemed to be all Newcastle. I think the penalty count was, was well in their favour, like 10-4, 3 4
1: down. I think it finished yeah, 11, up. Yeah, they weren't too happy about it in the press conference.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that that was wrong, but I'm saying when, <laughs> when possession is in your favour that much, you should probably be winning. And so to, to just get away with it, um, I think, like, I don't want to say nice or lucky. Like, they had some great players like Kaelin Ponga. his passing game is just next level these days. Um, he's that sort of clutch player that you pay him the big do- big dollars to be. So I think um, obviously wise investment. Ooh, breaking news: wise investment, Cameron Ponga. Um, and yeah, like well well done to the Knights. Um, and it probably says a lot about where New Newcom- where Manly are at because like I think about the, the position that Manly are in. With um, they've obviously got a talented squad. They've got uh, like a lot of injuries. Put 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 the Tigers in that situation. They're not going to come anywhere near winning as many games as, as, as Manly have. Um, but Manly just sort of have this, I don't know if it's Des Hasler, um, but they just sort of have this way of, of um, you know, outperforming. Um, and they've got, like, they've got obviously great players, Cherry Evans' best halfback in the world. Um, but they probably should not have gotten as close as they did to this game.
1: Without having seen the specifics, Manly um, looks like they've lost uh, backup fullback Brendan Elliott for the year with a suspected ACL injury. Tommy Turbo still a couple of weeks away from returning, two wins adrift of the finals. Can you put a line through them or or you still hold hope?
2: Uh, no, I think you put a line through them. Look, Manly for me, I said at the start of the season, I had Manly to be in my grand final. I thought they did last year. I thought they'd dramatically improve. Uh, I mean, last year they were pretty good anyway, but... Uh, you know, Tommy Turbo just means so much to them. And it's it's a shame that one player can mean so much to a team. You know, it's a team sport everyone should be putting in. I wish they all put in, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it's just amazing how much he means to that side. I've, I've got to be a little bit critical of Manly. I, I think they've been disappointing this year. I think, um, I think they've got a great team, a great forward pack. And I, you know, although they've had injuries and Tommy Turbo being out, I, I think they should be in the eight. As I said, I had him as my grand finalist. So... Um, A little bit disappointing for me, mainly this season, but uh, hopefully next year they don't get so many injuries and they can improve again. But, uh, yeah, look, I don't think they can do anything this season from now.
1: What about the Knights up to sixth now? Uh, Blake Green, a good addition for them that allows Kurt Mann to go to hooker, which plugs a problem where they've had a a lot of injuries. They're um, humming along not too badly. Huge.
2: huge. Blake Green
1: going to a club like that is is such an advantage and just,
2: just brilliant for them. I mean... He's, a, he's, a, he's around 30 years of age, uh, experienced halfback. I mean, how many of them are there in the competition? And, and a good one, too. I mean, he's not playing for his country or his state, but he's a solid week-in, week-out first grader. He's played all around the world, played in the UK for years. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a player that's hard to come by. So the fact that even the Warriors even let him go, for me, is ridiculous. That's just drawing a line through them straight away. I, I can't believe they let a player that go. But for a team like Newcastle, who were struggling at hooking, you know, Kurt Mann was never known as a ball player anyway. He's always known as a runner. To so be able to put him back in to hook up and have, uh, you know, obviously, obviously Pierce and Green in the halves and Carolyn Ponger at the back, you know, they struck up a combination straight away. I didn't get to see the game, so I, I don't know how they played. But obviously, their performance last week, you know, was really good, smashing the mm. Tigers. Um, I think it's a huge advantage of the fact that he's gone there. Look, I, I, I don't... I don't see them winning the competition. I don't think they can win the competition. Um, but I think a win like today was a must for them to, to stick in that eight. Had they got beaten today, obviously, man, they were directly below them and probably would have jumped them. So, um, yeah, they really need to win today, which they did.
1: The, um takes us through to Saturday night. Raiders 36-8 winners over Brisbane. Uh, down 8 points to 6 at half-time and then a 30-0 second half. Um, Gail, you already touched on the, the Broncos and their problems and their roster, but the Raiders, since they've lost Josh Hodgson when we all thought they were done for the year, they've uh, they've been impressive and, and John Bateman's made a huge impact in his return as well.
2: Yeah, Bateman's been great the last couple of weeks, obviously coming back uh, and just adds experience to the side and gives everyone in the side um, you know, confidence that he's out there and playing with them. Look, Hodgson's a huge loss. It's, it's, it's amazing when you lose a player like that. You know, everyone put the red pen straight through them. I, I remember saying at the time, I don't think they can win the comp, but I wouldn't be I enough to put money on them not to. They just, um, they're a team that want to play for their coach. I, I know their coach. I know how much he gets his players to play for him. And, um yeah, that's the way they're playing at the moment. They're just, they're out there competing on every single play and that's what they do so well. Uh, not having Hodgson in the side, look, so much revolved around him. So I suppose when you're when you're an opposition coach, or an opposition defensive coach in particular, you really are worried about him. And there's so much emphasis on him now. He's not in the side. I suppose that it makes it a little bit harder to defend against because you don't exactly know where the ball's going to go. So that yeah, it's, while it's good, it's not good having him out. Um, yeah, the Raiders have certainly made it made it work in their favour. And to score 30 points in the second half and get away with a win like that, it's a, it's a big effort. Where they're at at the moment
0: with the injury tile they've got.
1: Kenny, watching this one, Broncos tough in the first half, not so tough in the second?
0: Uh, I guess you've got to take positives where you can, right? The first half was pretty good, like considering the season that the Broncos have had. To go in at halftime, nobody would have expected that. Everything that happened in that second half completely negates all the good stuff that happened in that first half. I guess you'll have to sort of compartmentalise that and forget about it. And you just sort of focus on what you can, what you can build from, but... Um, I don't know, like, we've, how long do we talk about the poor position that the, that the Broncos are in? It's just sort of more of the it's same. Clear, they haven't even got yeah. a coach at the moment. Like, they've lost... Um, still haven't got, like, lodges out. Lost avia coats.
1: You know and break his hand on yeah, Saturday night season. as well. Um, all right. Well, we're not going to keep twisting the knife in the Broncos. Let's talk about the Cowboys and the Rabbitohs. Another really entertaining game, I thought. Um, Cowboys thought they were headed for a uh, morale-boosting win, and then Adam Reynolds managed to drag the Rabbitohs over the line at the end. Got ice in his veins, the uh, little number seven.
2: Yeah, he sure does. I mean, as you said, this, this is what happens with teams you know, at the back end of the eight or outside the eight. They... They just have no – well, it seems like they have no luck. Um, and, and you don't really need luck in this game. You just don't want bad luck. And, uh, look, I'm not sure they had any bad luck. But, as, as you said, you know, Reynolds, the little master, kicks a goal and then, um, you know, kicks a field goal in the game. Alex Johnson got that try to get him back into it. But, you know, you'd like to think if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're leading by that much with, the, you know, a few minutes to go, they can get away with the win. But, as we said, um, Johnson scored the try and, and Reynolds with ice in his veins. Managed to kick him to a victory, which is exactly what they needed the South Sydney side.
1: Kenny, my highlight for the game was uh, a pretty adventurous kick from the Cowboys out to an unmarked Hammerside Tabio Fido, who put on a remarkable move on Jackson Paulo and ended up streaking away completely untouched. I, I love watching this kid play.
0: Well, you got it right there, right? That was easily the play of the game. And I reckon. The Cowboys, I think, owned all the big moments in this game. It felt like if you were to watch that game and not not have the scores um, on the screen, you would have thought the Cowboys would win and I even went back I found it like it was an entertaining game, there's no doubt about it, but I went back and watched the highlights um to try and work out if like if I just you know read the game wrong, but watching the highlights it probably it it um, it, it, it made that even more obvious like the Cow- how did the cowboys not win this every single moment they seemed to own except for the very like the, the clutch moment right at the end it was it was quite bizarre i mean it 's just one of those games I think they scored what six tries to five, and when you lose scoring more tries in your opposition it's just like i'm assuming not being a player that 's a really horrible feeling. Um, yeah, they'll they'll rue that one. But again, um, credit to the to the Rabbitohs. Like you said, Adam Reynolds, the class of this. When you've got a, a world class halfback, you can manufacture a win when you probably don't deserve it. So, um, and that's what we got. But so there were some great moments in that game.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was uh, entertaining. Now, Gail, your old team, the the Sharkies, was it six of eight or seven of nine now? They're they're ticking along pretty nicely. Sean Johnson really sort of hitting top form. You know, Wade Graham playing really well they, they've copped some injuries but um, a few guys have stepped up and they're, they're going pretty well
2: yeah they've done well um, you know they're, they're, winning, they're winning games that they should be winning um, you know they're obviously in the eight now I've said from the start of the year that, that they'll make the eight there's a lot of doom and gloom about the Sharks at the start of this year a lot of teams a lot of people weren't picking them for the eight at all I'm thinking that four out of contention there has been experience gone from the side but you know, I think um, I think they've got a good enough roster without a doubt to well and truly make the top eight, and you know, particularly after the COVID break, when the you know when when the draw come back out, their draw up until now has been really really good as far as not having to play too many teams that are in that top eight. They have a pretty tough run going in. I think about had five of their last six or seven games against sides in the top eight. So that's when they need to be good. That's when they need to start winning some of them games. You know, against the Canberras and the Roosters and the Panthers of the of the competition. They they need to win games like that. They haven't beaten a side inside the top eight this year. Um, so, it's really important that come these last five or six rounds, now they don't have to win them all. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to win every single week. But they really need to really compete with some of these top eight sides, particularly some of the good ones. Last week, they scored more tries, as we spoke about a moment ago. Yeah. extremely frustrating when you scored more tries than the opposition. It happened five times to Cronulla <laughs> last year. You know We would have, would have finished yeah. in the top four had we, had we won yeah. them games. And obviously, it happened last week as well. They we had three tries to two against the Parramatta side. So, um, yeah, they, I'm not sure they'll run into in the, in the next few weeks. But was, as I said, some top eight teams coming up and, that, and they need to get some victories there. Mm.
1: We've all had a day to digest it now. Um, Kevin Proctor's been referred straight to the judiciary, sent off in his 250th game for an alleged bite on Sean Johnson. Uh, Sean didn't want to pursue it in any fashion on the field or after the game. He, he backpedaled away from any kind of accusations. Now, what have you made of all of this? Uh,
2: he, he didn't bite him. Uh, yeah. look, I, I was at the races when I saw it mm. and and I didn't know if that was it. When when they replay, I'm like, I I didn't think that was the actual incident that had happened. And then to see him get sent from the field, I, I thought that was a huge error from the referees. To mm. send the opposition, I think he's a captain too, yeah. off yeah. at the 25th minute mark when it's 12-all for something that, you know, did they see bite marks on his arms? Did they even investigate? I, I couldn't believe they sent him off and mm. he didn't bite him. You know, yeah. I've got, got no doubt. Sean Johnson felt maybe his bottom row of teeth on his arm. But if you look where Sean's head is, I'll watch his over and over today. Sean, Sean didn't exactly know where his arm was. I think Sean must have thought his arm was maybe around his chest or neck area, and he's felt his bottom row of teeth. And, he's, and it's shocked him. Yeah. But as far as biting down, i watch it over and over. I can't see any any vision where he's chomping down or biting down, you know, where his mouth, his bottom part of his jaw, or his mouth guard moves in a biting direction. I, I I can't see it. I don't think he bit him Um, and hopefully that's where it ends.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. Sean's not looking where his arm's going, but he does have his arm sort of wrapped, you know, pushed into to Proctor's mouth. So he, he would have felt some teeth there, but that, that doesn't mean there's any kind of biting action from Proctor, who spoke to the Courier-Mail um, since the incident. And uh, he, some strong quotes in there. He's, um, he's shocked and disappointed. and He said he'll fight the charges to the death. So we'll see what happens at the judiciary. Uh, huge clean skin, Kevin Proctor, never been suspended. I think only cited uh, once uh, across his 250 games.
2: Reaction—you can see his reaction on the field. When, when you know you've some, done something wrong or something like that, and you're being caught it's on camera, yeah, you, know, you almost look a little bit sheepish and a little bit embarrassed. And mm-hmm. he was infuriated. He, he was—he yeah. he was going off the fact that he'd been accused of it. So, look, Shaun Johnson's a former teammate of mine, and, and I'm a Sharks man. And you know, it, it was beneficial to the Sharks, you know, the fact that he got sent off. But you know, I've got—I've got to be honest in my assessment of it. You know, I, I don't think he bit him. And. Yeah, you know, there's been as I spoke to sharks officials today, there was no bite mark, there was no evidence, there's no photo of it. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't know what what evidence there was on the field, but um, as far as as far as being a bite mark, but yeah, I, I don't think he bit him
1: strong words and I guess we'll find out uh, on Tuesday night when the judiciary happens. Now, uh, we have to move on to the Friday night game. Uh, Kenny, I'll start with you. The Eels um, 12-14, uh, losers against the Dragons. Paul McGregor's last game in charge. Some really touching scenes afterwards with um, you know Cameron McInnes giving the, the coach his jersey um, and some nice words being exchanged and Paul McGregor with a big smile on his face, but uh, also a disappointing night for uh, Parramatta in terms of their performance.
0: Well, it's an interesting one, right? So did we see the last couple of weeks, everyone, I think, including us, have sort of said Parramatta are winning, but they don't really seem to be winning well. They seem to be sort of just getting away with winning and doing enough. So did we see the real Parramatta, or did the dragons just play? You know, take up, take it up an extra year like to, to send Mary out as a winner. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, the weather had a lot to do with it as well, because it was it was really, really wet in Sydney on that um, on that day. It obviously didn't suit a couple of the uh, Penr- a couple of the um, Parramatta wingers who normally would be pretty solid had um, some some slippery games. But uh, yeah, like this is just another entertaining game. This whole round, like this whole round, she could probably chuck out one or two games that weren't quite that great, but Every other game has been like really, really clo- uh, close and down to the wire. So, um, yeah, I thought it was it was it was tough. Neither team really gave too much um, uh, level. Rubber always get his name wrong. Rubble Lala had a really had a really um, great game. Dylan Brown sort of up and down. Had some like great kicks, but also some um, some drop balls as well. Um, I don't know. It was just it was just really really fun. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Parramatta go next week. Yeah, I'm not quite sure who they've got, but I think the a lot of people. Uh, a lot, I say a lot of people like I have the inside word but I think the vibrant around Parramatta is they're doing well but are they um, you know how, how are they going to go on with it and are they really premiership material and I think we'll see the next couple of weeks
1: Gail do you give the Eels any sort of a leave pass given it was a five day turnaround off that really uh, tough game against the Sharks or you just I know you don't sort of think that they're up there with the Penriths and the, the Melbournes of this year
2: uh, no, nah, look, a lot of teams have done well at five-day turnarounds this year, to be honest. Well, they, they play the Melbourne Storm next week, so that's going to really, yeah. really test where they're at. I, look, I, I haven't been on Parramatta for, for a long time and, you know, they sort of grew on me the past few weeks when they were winning those games. You know, they were just beating the Tigers and just beating the Dogs and, you know, I've always, and as, as you said a moment ago, yeah, they were just scrapping home against these sides. But you know what? At the end of the day, they were still winning. And as I said earlier, that's that's the whole idea of it. you just got to win at the end of the day. And they were getting away with it. So I thought maybe I was being a little bit harsh on them. But the week before at 12-4 against the Sharks, you know, being the you know, top four side as, as they think they are or they want to be, you just got to go on with that against against a team like the Sharks who are struggling down at the bottom, the, the bottom of that top eight. They should have uh, they should have got on with it. They didn't. The Sharks ended up scoring two more tries. And as I said, they apparently they got away with it the back of a, of a goal-kicking. This week, they run into the Dragons who are you know, struggling. We all know what issues they're having. And mm. they were beaten by the Dragons. I just – I don't – Parramatta no when they're on top, when things are going their way, they, they, they can put 20, 30 on any side in the competition. But when you've got to get down and dirty and in, you know, in a dogfight, when it's tight, um, I, I don't think they like it. No, I don't think when they can run into a team like the Melbourne Storm or the Roosters at full strength or even Penrith when they're going well. Um, they're, they're going to realistically
1: compete. Speaking of Penrith, eighteen twelve winners over the Warriors. They had all the ball to start the games, out after drop out, and the Warriors, to their credit, hung in there. I was actually really impressed with their defensive resolve. Didn't get the win in the end, which obviously Penrith were good enough to get, but I thought it was pretty good from both teams. Yeah, the, War-
2: the Warriors are yeah, they've done pretty well this year. They've got so much go against them. I've taken my hat off to them multiple times for you know, the sacrifice they're making just to keep the game going and you know, keep us employed and keep the players getting paid. I think they've done an amazing job of obviously seen some players head back home. And I can't imagine how much some will be struggling. But their efforts in the game, you know, you talk about effort in rugby league, well, they show it week in, week out. And as you said, Penrith and the attacking ability they have in that team to have the amount of ball they had in that first half, it had every right to win it by 20 or 30 points at halftime. But, you know, the Warriors, their credit, just stuck in there and stuck in there and they only lost by six points at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing pretty well, the Warriors, at the moment. I reckon there'll be a few other teams in the competition who, who had their sort of effort. Um, I think, I've got to say, I think a lot of the players that the Warriors have been lent, or lent um, from other clubs, I think they've done extremely well while they've gone there as well. Had the Warriors had their normal roster, um, yeah, maybe they may not have been as good as they are game, but I think some of the players that have gone there have done a great job for them and um, yeah, been really beneficial to the club.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Hetherington, uh, George Jennings in particular, really eye-catching, even Poe Farmer Sealy back when he was there from the Roosters. Kenny, you would have been, I assume, cheering for the, the Warriors in this one, but um, pretty, good, pretty good entertainment uh, regardless
0: yeah I mean everybody, everybody wants the Warriors to win, no matter no matter what team you go for. I think we're going through a really interesting period with the Warriors. Every year, uh, it seems uh, a bottom eight side sort of starts to get a, a bit of momentum leading into the next year to sort of springboard them into into their next campaign. I think the Warriors are going through that at the moment because they probably had a, a a bit of a rough patch right at the beginning of the restart. Um, and then there was a lot of uncertainty about, you know, how the logistics were going to go and all that sort of stuff. And now they seem settled, like, this is, this is the system set up that we've got. We know what's happening with the coaching situation. There's not too many distractions. Um, they're sort of, you know, dedicated to their task. And we're seeing some really great unwarriors like um, resolve, I suppose. And that was in, in this game, it would have been that first 12 minutes where it was all Panthers, all Panthers, all Panthers. And the, and the Warriors, I think they eventually did concede a try after about 12 or 13 minutes, but they, they really held strong for a, 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 good, a good while. And um, normally the Warriors probably wouldn't do that. And we've been talking about in this episode, the Panthers as being one of the benchmarks teams of the competitions, and they only lost by six points. Like, it's a, it's a different Warriors team. I think it shows great signs for next year.
1: Gail, what have you made of Todd Payton? He's obviously told the Warriors that he, he won't be taking the job next year. We, we kind of suspect he's going to end up at North Queensland. But, you know, with, with no disrespect to Steve Kearney, uh, Todd seems to have really instilled some kind of grit or steel into this side, given all the adversity they've played through.
2: Look, I think he's he's done a good job. But, but I agree with the previous comments. I think that the fact that they're settled now you know, has really helped them. Um, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful or... I'll give it to Kearney. I think that he was dealing with a hell of a lot. And he was yeah. sacked pretty quickly, to be honest with yeah. you. It wasn't really... Yeah, he was sort of sacked pretty quickly. I, I think a lot That's of it has three to wins, do with the fact then. they are settled. Yeah, they yeah. weren't going too bad. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, it was a bit of a sort of come from nowhere. There was no chat about it generally in rugby league. You know, there's murmurs. But there was nothing nothing uh, doing there whatsoever. Then all of a sudden he's sacked. But, but I agree that... Rugby league players who are settled and they're, and they're happy, they they play better. If you're happy in your normal life and you haven't got any issues in your normal life, you, you generally go, uh, out, you, know, you express that on the field. You just play better, you're happier, and I think the fact that the Warriors are settled now, um, yeah, you know, has has helped them. Uh, and hopefully they can. The, the test for them is going to be the last four or five rounds of the competition. I don't think we don't. No one thinks they can make the eight. They probably won't. But you know, we don't want to see them start getting beaten by 20 or 30 points come the last few rounds of the competition because. Yeah. There's probably half a dozen players who are really homesick and they've just had enough. Uh, we, we hope they can keep this effort up the rest of the season.
1: That brings us to the last game of the round or the first game of the round, as it were. What did you make of the Storm and the Roosters? The I certainly wasn't expecting the Roosters to be dominated like this, but their injury problems. Looks like Mitch Orbison, broken wrist, Luke Keary, broken rib. Um, just going from sort of blow to blow and getting worse and worse.
2: Yeah, they're having a shocking run with injuries, but, you know, they still managed to put out a fair team on the paddock. You know, look, yeah, Orbison, you know, that was terribly unlucky. But, you now I'm glad I, well, I'm, he got a broken bone in his wrist, but I thought he might have broken his forearm. It was that bad. I mean, it's solid Solomon is 130-odd kilos. Yeah. Falling down on the, the angle that he did with his arm, I, I was really concerned that he you know, broke his forearm in half. But uh, I mean, a broken wrist is you know, probably the better of the two. Um, but, yeah, look, the wrist is... a Plenty of injuries, but you know, the way the Melbourne Storm absolutely dominated them the other night, particularly in that first half, I, I didn't expect it. You know, I thought the Roosters could get the win. Melbourne Storm just keep producing year after year, you know, game after game, week after week. They just keep producing, and when you listen to, to Billy Slater and talk before the match, it's just expected of them. If you're a player at the Melbourne Storm, if you get given a jersey, you're expected to go out there and perform your job. You're expected to know your role and go out there and do it to the best of your ability, and you know, if, if you don't do that at Melbourne, they get rid of you straight away. If you do it, you're there and they stay. you stay there and they love you. And you know, to everyone's credit, you know, to 90% of players who've played for the Melbourne Storm, they've always known their role and they've gone out and executed to the best of their ability. You know, there's been a few players they've let go, but it's just what the coach drives and what the captain drives with that club. And it's expected of them and more often than not, they deliver. But that game the other night was something else. They they really delivered and uh, you know, probably, in my opinion maybe cement themselves as premiership favourites. Mm.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Kenny, you're a man of the people, the Roosters back-to-back premiers. I don't imagine uh, the, the general masses will be feeling too sorry for Trent Robinson's men uh, at this point.
0: It's, it's, it's not often I get to take pleasure in other people's losses, um, but it's, <laughs> it's quite satisfying to see the Roosters <laughs> not just lose but get thoroughly beaten. And I don't want to – it's kind of sad. Like, the Roosters are so good that I – found myself celebrating Luke Curie's injury, which I never, I didn't want to do because I think Luke is a great player. But I, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't want the Roosters to win three in a row. I really don't. Like, how boring is that? And just to see them continually do well, it's just good to see them taken down a peg. Um, and it's also really great to see, like, if I was, I was going to pick a team to win three in a to to continually, continuously be um, successful, it's always got to be Melbourne because a, a strong Melbourne is good for the league. Um, so it's great to see that um, Melbourne, even though they've gone through that generational change and they've got these new guys, like it's it's nothing new. We've been saying it for the, for the last couple of seasons. but they've got these new guys standing up and and just going on with the job. Like, you know, Jerome Jerome Hughes, Pappenhausen, Brandon Smith. It's like it's like nothing ever changes down there. What the the systems, as as Gal was saying, that they've got in place are second to none. Um, and they really showed it um, against the Roosters. So. Uh, It was a high-quality game for Melbourne. The Roosters dropped the ball a lot, like even though they had injuries. a heap of
1: errors in their own end too. really,
0: really error-riddled game for the Roosters, which is just not like them. Mm. Um, Otherwise, yeah, it was... Look, yeah, from a... (laughs) Again, a neutral fan, it was satisfying to see the Roosters get
1: get um, handed a comprehensive loss because you don't get to see them too often. I was out there for nrl.com and uh, spoke to Drew Hutchison after the game. So with Luke Keery and also Lachlan Lamb with his ankle probably uh, both out next week. Hutchison and, and you'd think a recalled Kyle Flanagan are going to be the, the new look halves pairing. And you know he was ready to do what he had to do. I spoke to Christian Torpilotto as well who was uh, making his debut on the wing a St. Paul's College Auckland product uh, just 19 years of age. Gail, you would have seen a fair bit of Ryan Hall over the years. I reckon he's been pretty, pretty good when he's got the chance. A lot, a lot of made of him not having got a try yet, but he's making 150, 200 metres a game when he gets the chance. Strong carries. Are you surprised that he hasn't had more opportunities and more success in the time he's been here? Oh, look,
2: no. I've got to say, not over the, the past year or so because the Roosters, you know, as we said, have been pretty lucky with injuries. They haven't had a lot of th- things go wrong for them. They've won two premierships in a row and mm. the wingers that they've had there in front of him have done the job, you know, comprehensively, I've got to say. But he's a big body, yeah. And he... um. Hard to handle. Very good at getting your set started. So, I imagine... Was he dropped last week or was he out?
1: No, he was dropped. He, he was dropped, dropped Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was dropped, which
2: uh, was a bit of a surprise. So, you imagine he might come back into the side this week. But, yeah, look, the, the Roosters are a funny one. Well, I, I did a bit of research on a few of their wins this year, or the nine of their wins. Seven or nine of their wins have come from teams outside the top eight. The only sides mm-hmm. that have been inside the top eight is Parramatta. And they've also beat South Sydney. Now, I think they might have beat South Sydney when they're just out of the eight. So, they haven't had a lot of uh, luck against top eight sides either this year, but the Roosters, one thing they do well, and one Trent, thing Trent Robinson does well is he times his run. You know, I, I remember asking him on grand final day, and I asked him off air as well, did you intentionally arrest players this year so they're fresh for the semifinals? And he said, he said yeah. And he likened it to a car or to a tank of gas. He goes, mate, you, you guys aren't – you're not uh, robots. You know, you aren't machines. At times, you're going to run low on fuel. And he goes, oh, I needed to time it this year. So, come grand final day, we all had enough gas left in the tank that we could get through. And if you remember through origin periods last year, no player backed up from origin. When Luke Fury was injured, he needed three weeks out. He had six weeks out. He just he timed yeah. his run perfectly. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow managed to pull it off again this year. They've got a few big guns coming back in the, in the coming weeks. They've got the biggest name in sports. Sonny be Williams that a play in probably three or four weeks' time. Um, so, look, come the last three or four games, they'll be in the eight. There's no doubt about that. And if they can you – know, next week they're playing the, the West Tigers. You think you think they would win that. Um, yep. If they can stick, it, stick at the back end of that top four and finish in four position and get all the big guns back for the last game or two, they can do it again. I don't, I'm with you. I don't want to see them do it again either. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can do it with that roster they've got and Trent Robbins as, as coach, um, you know, the Roosters – he may be able to just time their run – Perfectly once again. We'll have to wait
1: and see. It's a good point you make. Angus Crichton, Boyd Cordner, Jared Rea Hargreaves, Stan Tupu, Brett Morris, all to come back soon. Luke Keery back before the finals will be a new look team pretty soon. We're running out of time really badly, but I did want to ask you about Sonny Bill before I let you go because I really enjoyed his appearance on 100% last week. I thought it was a fantastic interview. I um, certainly enjoyed the banter, but just in a, a footy sense, um, what, what do you think he's going to bring? Like obviously, the, the leadership and the aura, but we're not expecting him to, you know, to be an 80-minute superstar at all this year, are we?
2: No. no. And I said you know, a month or so ago when, when we he spoke about coming back, I said for people to think he's going to come back and be the player he was in 2013, now they're dreaming. He he won that grand final for the Roosters in 2013. He had an ordinary first half, and I think he knew it himself. He came out in the second half and, and done it on his own back, I believe, and it was pure toughness. Um, so the fact he's come back to the NRL now, he, he's tough enough and he's good enough, but he won't be that 80-minute player. I mean, we saw some of his performances in the UK Super League. I know he's not playing with that as good of players and a lot of it was expected of him, but they were not that crash hot. But to come back into this Roosters side and only have to play 20, maybe 30 minutes a match, I think it's going to be a huge benefit for the Roosters. And I think he will have an impact. He'll have an impact at training, as we said. it just his aura around the, how professional he is. He'll have an impact there. But I think he will also have an impact when he comes on the field for that 20 to 30 minutes a game and come the back end of the year as we said you, you named eight or nine players and all coming back from injury you throw Sonny Bill on top of it um you know they're, they're going to be hard to stop
1: absolutely well that is all we've got time for on another Sunday session for round 14 huge thank you to Paul Gallen from channel 9 for being here and his insights thank you as always to my co-pilot Kenny Scott thank you to everyone for listening we'll be back in Sunday of round 15 for more Sunday session